Welcome to this week's podcast from Bethesda Church of God in Sumter, South Carolina. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. Then the scripture follows with saying, Greater love hath no man than this, and a man would lay down his life for a friend. Jesus came all this way to lay down his life. Would you stand with me, please? This morning I'm preaching on a subject that is, uh, can be quite uncomfortable. Hopefully uh, you're not exposed as being a re-gifter, unless you re-gift very, very expensive gifts. And uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Now I'm going to take a little uh, liberty here with one of the words, and um, you'll hear it as I read it. And Paul is writing, and he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Do you understand that you and I are a present? And Paul actually was saying, present your bodies. But today I'm going to ask you to consider making yourself a present. What kind of present are you? And, um, and if you were opening up the gift and it was you, and you were God, would you go, oh, or would you go, wow? I want God to be a wow response when he sees me. Amen. Father God, let the glory of the Lord fill this place today. And I pray, dear God, that as, as we look at regifting, dear Lord, that we would be presence of honor to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm not going to embarrass you by asking you to raise your hand if you've ever regifted, but I would feel confident that there's been a whole lot of regifting that has gone on in this size crowd. But I will ask you to raise your hand if you've ever received a gift that was a re-gift. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of hands that went up on that. My, my wife and I, shortly after we got married, um, we received a gift from um, a dear friend and when we took it out the box, it was a um, it was a coffee maker, and and so we took it out the box, and it it not only came uh, with you know all the parts, but it also came with coffee grounds, and uh, I, I, we were just amazed at how the company thought to give us coffee grounds with, with that. So that was one of our biggest re-gifts that we have had, and we've laughed about it now for uh, many years because it was funny to us. Now, re-gifting means to give an unwanted gift. All right? It might be that you just have more than one of them, so you don't need it. Might not be anything wrong with it. Or 
it might be the ugliest thing you ever had and you decided I'll give it to this person and uh, Dave Ramsey who is a, uh, a financial guru he says it is okay to re-gift but there are rules now I'm not going to take a long time with this but I want to share some of the rules in case you are planning on re-gifting first of all the gift should make sense for instance if you got a box of candy you probably don't want to give that candy to a diabetic right it should make sense um, or if you've got a pair of men's shoes you probably don't want to give that to a woman it needs to make a little sense uh, take off the gift tag that's a dead giveaway when, when it says it's from someone else and you're giving it, that's a dead giveaway. Don't re-gift gifts you have received from meaningful people. Like uh, you, you've been given a scarf and, and it kind of has a strong identity to it. And people go, isn't that the gift that you... Anyway, <laughs> don't re-gift family gifts such as heirlooms or... Uh, grandma's brooches or that type of thing and avoid regifting within the same circle of friends such as uh, uh, the coffee maker that we we got uh, beware of the regift that keeps on giving it's been in your closet so long you forgot who gave it you might be giving it back to the person who gave it to you right and then Give sooner than later. Now, uh, Cecil Browder and his wife Stephanie, they were nice enough one year to give Jackie and I some fruitcake. And, and so we were nice enough a year later to drop it back off at their house. <laughs> and the next year they were so thoughtful that they dropped it back off in our mailbox and this went on I think for about seven five years seven years seven years um, now let me let me just tell you something about fruitcake real quick after seven years of regifting, and you open it up and, and and nothing has eaten it <laughs> when ants don't even mess with it. <laughs> Microorganisms say, uh-uh, don't do fruitcake. That ought to tell you something about fruitcake. Now, I know I just made a lot of people angry because there's people who believe in fruitcake. Bless your heart. <laughs> and, uh, but it is a great re-gift. It just lasts a long time. So you can give it many, many times. And then rewrap the gift. That, that's kind of, now here's the reason he said for that because when you open up the box they might have put a special note down in the box and if you didn't pay close attention the new person opens up the box and sees a note from the original giver so rewrap everything and then when you get caught uh oh I got caught I regifted. then be honest 
Just be honest. Let, let me just tell you, blaming it on your wife is not going to work. The dog did it. That doesn't work either. Uh, or even saying it was a joke and your real present hasn't come in the mail yet. You go to hell for lying, so don't do that, okay? Now, what are some bad re-gifts? When you give something that has a monogram on it. For instance, if you give something with an A on it and the person's name starts with a J, that probably isn't going to work, right? Um, uh, dated technology like um, uh, navigation systems and iPods, those things are dated, so people probably would figure that out. And, and then if you don't like it, here, here's his rule of thumb, if you don't like it, there's a good chance the other person won't either. So that's regifting. I want us to talk today about regifting. Uh, if you would look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15. I want us to look at God, the great giver. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. It's so good you can't even describe it. Wow, that's a great God. How about look with me at James chapter 1 and verse 7. As it says, for, for let not that man think that he can receive anything, that he shall receive anything of the Lord. And, and a, a person who is presumptuous may not realize that the, the gift that God gives is just beyond. It's not worked for. It's not earned. It is the true gift of God. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it goes and starts listing out. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, follow with me. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are diversities of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. God gave a gift for you to profit. For to one is given the Spirit, uh, by the Spirit, the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, divers kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Isn't it something that our God took time not only to give his only begotten son, but he also took time to come and give spiritual gifts to you. Not only did he do that, but he gave fruit 
of the Spirit. Some of you will receive fruit in your, in your stockings at Christmas. And, and, and God gave fruit. He, he said that he would give love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness and temperance and faith. It, it's just beautiful that God continually is trying to give. And, and he's given to us not only that, but he's given to us eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we have received powerful, mighty gifts, gifts of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, eternal life, and, and it just keeps going. Many of you, in fact, how many of you have ever been a recipient of the gift of healing where God has healed you? How, look at that. The gift is still working even in our day and age. Have any of you ever had a miracle that you can say, God gave me an absolute miracle? It, it's still working. And I love it because it wasn't that God just gave a gift way back then. But God is still in the gift-giving business today. It's powerful. It's, a, it's amazing. But there, there are times that we re-gift what God has given us. And, and how you handle what God gave you. Now, the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. In other words... When God gives you a wonderful gift, he expects you to do something with it. God expects you to use what he gave you and, and use it properly. And I, I want to share in Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25, uh, verses 14 through 25, and I'm not going to read all of those but I, I want to share with you, I would call this the re-gift of laziness and no work. Now, one of the worst things that could ever be said about anybody is that they're lazy. I mean, the, the Bible does not talk good about anybody who is lazy or slothful is one of the words that are used in the Bible. And, and so this chapter deals with people or, or a person who was just lazy, bottom line. And, and uh, if you would begin looking at verse 20 with me, and, and the Bible says, and so he had, uh, he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained besides them five talents more. Now this was a, a, a wonderful demonstration here. God gave this one person five talents and, and they valued what God gave them and said, I'm going to take the talents that you gave, which it's talking about money, but I'm today asking you to consider not just money, but consider your talent. Some of you are very gifted and very talented. Look to your neighbor and say, he's talking about me. Would you do that? <laughs> yeah. And you know you have talents. You know you have gifts. But if you're not careful, you fall into the category of not using the talents. I wonder what, if this was giving out actual talent, I wonder what it would have been. Maybe 
uh, we could say, hey, God helped him and he became a great Sunday school teacher. He worked great with family enrichment. He, he was a great worker, she was. And uh, oh, no, no, their gift is greeting. And so we were blessed by them or ushering or uh, uh, being a singer in the choir or a, a, a person who goes out and visits the sick. There's all kind of gifts and talents that are represented in this congregation here today. But my question is, what are you doing with it? Are you just holding on to the talent that he gave you? Or are you trying to multiply what he gave you? That clap was weak. Yeah. Now, this message today might not make you run the aisles and jump and shout hallelujah, but if you apply it, you're gonna be a happy person because you're going to be a good regifter. And then the Bible says that one was given two talents and, and he did the same thing. He took the two talents and he multiplied it and he brought back four. And, and in both cases, God looked and said, well done, well done. And, and that's what I'm looking to hear and what you're looking to hear. When we stand before Almighty God, I don't want to hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I want to hear, well done. Now, somehow we get caught, yes, somehow we get caught in, in the, I'll just do enough to get by. Come on. I got five talents. I, I could do this. I, I could do great things, but I'm so busy. I just want to tell you, you'll do whatever that you really want to do. Come on. I, I still am talking. In fact, I talked about it this morning at the welcome home breakfast, how that we had people standing out in the rain, walking through a torrential rain to get in to our church on our uh, fall festival. Through all that rain, that proved to me that people will get wet, people will get soaked to do what they want to do. I wonder what you're doing with your talents. Well, I've got them, but God didn't give you your talents to just hold on to. He wants you to use them. And not only does he want you to use them, he wants you to develop and multiply them. But both of those had well done. But the third one was given one talent. Now, he would have heard well done just like the others if he had done what he was supposed to do, but he didn't. What he did is took his talent and buried it. Now right there, I just hit some people right between the eyes. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Because some of you are very good musicians and you don't play your instrument anymore. Yes, pastor, that is me, and I'll do better, and I'll see Sister Julia right after church. <laughs> Some of you are great teachers, but you do not use your teaching ability. Some of you would be great greeters, but 
I can't get up out of bed any earlier than what I get up. And, and so what we do, we take what we have and we bury it. And I would say that God hated it and God looked at it and said, thou wicked and slothful or lazy servant, you buried the talent. What I gave you, now here's what happened. He, when the master came, he unburied it and re-gifted it. He brought the same thing that he was given. However, when he brought it, it had been in the dirt. It possibly was marred and not as nice and shiny as it was when he got it. But that's what he came and re-gifted. And when he re-gifted it, God didn't accept it. See, oftentimes we look at things and we think, well, it's okay. Uh, God will be all right with it where God isn't all right with that. Let, let's look at what verse 35 says in the same chapter. For I was hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. And their response was, when did we do that? When were you hungry, Jesus, and we, when were you hungry and thirsty, and when were you a stranger and we took you in? And he said, when you've done it to the least of these. Now we, brother, uh, brother Charles has given, uh, brother Johnny, I mess with him all the time. Brother Johnny, all the time is, is sharing with us the great things that happen in missions. And he, he shares with us about going down to the bread of life ministry. And, and, and some of those folks are poor. Some of those poor folks are destitute. Some of those folks never have anything nice. But we go down there and provide a nice meal. We're not the only church that does it. But but there's many people who could get up on a Saturday morning and pour in to someone less fortunate. And instead of burying your talent, you would be able to say, I found someone hungry and I helped feed them. I found someone thirsty and I helped provide for them. I found someone who needed clothes and I helped clothe them. I found a sick person and I wrote them a nice card. I, I made a phone call. I even made a visit. I went out of my way. I didn't bury my talent. I did not re-gift something tarnished, but I said, I'm coming and I'm going to give better than what I got. Now, what would we give Christ anyway. I mean, you could, every one of us, we could write checks. We could swipe our credit cards. We could empty out our bank accounts. 
and say, we're going to give it all. We could sign over our homes, our automobiles, and say, we're giving everything because he gave me eternal life. I'm going to give him everything. And he doesn't require that. But even if we gave all that, it would not be enough for what he gave us. As they just got through singing, he came all this way to make our hearts his home. He, he came all the way, but what are we doing with the gift that he gave us? And so in verse 40 of this same chapter, it says, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Now I want to ask you to consider the regifting of the unacceptable. See, there's some regifts that are just unacceptable. It's not okay. You're giving someone something that was broken or embarrassing, already used. And, and I wonder, according to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I, 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 want to, I, I hear people who say, I'm going to get it right. But uh, not, not right now. And so... God is gracious and he will forgive the person on their deathbed. But what do you have to offer when you're on your deathbed? I know this is a hard-hitting message, but it's going to help us for 2020. Uh, I love my granddaddy and I'm so glad he got saved before he died. But by the time he got saved, his health was gone. He had nothing of value he could offer to God. And oftentimes that's how people think, I'll get it right at the end. But when I stand before God, I want to have something to bring to him. I want to have something to say, I worked. I did something for you. I didn't just bury what you gave me. Here's what I have. It might not be much. I might be one of those with the one talent. But I don't want to just bring him one talent back. I want to bring him at least two and say, here's my gift to the king of kings and the lord of lords in malachi chapter one this this scripture is what drives me i hear people say oh you work so hard i want to tell you what makes me work is these two verses that i'm getting ready to read to you i heard this when i was a young preacher and it and it drove in like a stake into my spirit and he says, you offer polluted bread upon mine altar. And you say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. Now listen at verse 8. This is a powerful one. And you offer, and if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? Now God had specific rules. He said, 
This is the, the type of gift that has to come. It won't be accepted if you offer the marred. And he said, if you offer the blind, is it evil? Is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now to thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, I don't mind telling you I've wiped my nose in this. And if I wrap this up in the most beautiful box and you opened it up, you'd go, he is disgusting. He gave me an old snot rag. And that's exactly what God was saying. You offer second best. You give me the leftovers. You don't put any extra effort into it. You give me what other people wouldn't be pleased with. Your governor wouldn't even like it. Your, your prestigious people would not receive it, but you give it to me. Oh, now I'm going to preach for a moment. Because there's a lot of people who come to church and they do church. Are you with me now? Do you hear what I'm saying? We know how to do church in America. Oh, we've got it down to a science. There's some churches that they literally, they have it down to the second. They know exactly what's going to happen. And you're allotted so many seconds per event. No place for God to get involved. Just we got to get it through because we got another crowd coming in. Come on now. I'm not against, I'm not against feeding a lot of people. I'm not against reaching a lot of people. Praise God, the more the better. But if we ever get so big that we have to go into ritual instead of worship, then count me out of that. God's not going to accept it. You can have the same beautiful singing, but when God is wanting to touch people and, and draw them to the altars, but we don't have time to fit that in, I, I, I don't want any of that. I want the move of God. I don't want to give him the unacceptable. I want to give him the acceptable. What are you giving? What are you giving? Are you giving your best? What are you giving? Some people aren't giving anything. Now, boy, this is going to hit hard. Just because you open your wallet, that's the easy way out. Come on now. Salvation Army, they're ringing the bell. It takes very little effort for me to reach in my pocket, get some change, and put it in there. That's the easy part. Someone has to take the money and get to where the need is. Are y'all with me still? Souls are lost. When they're lost, they have to have someone to go seek after them. 
it's not just about giving of tithe and offering. There must be works that get involved and say, I'm going to find somebody who is lost and I'm going to make a difference in their life. I'm going to pray for the sick and they're going to recover. I'm going to pray for those who are hurting and God is going to use me. The regifting without love is the last one. Have you ever had someone give you a gift and it was just, oh boy, great day, I almost forgot them. Here, I found something. Last week's bulletin, I hope you enjoy it. You ever had a gift like that that you knew it, there wasn't any meaning in it? Didn't have any specialness to it. It was just, just going through it, going through the motion of giving. And in Revelation chapter 2, pull that up for me, brother. Revelation chapter 2, I want you to listen to this. It's talking about the, uh, uh, about the church, I believe it was, at Ephesus. Revelation chapter 2. There it is. No, I'm sorry. Maybe I didn't give that one to you, Brother Roger. Revelation chapter 2. And unto the church, there it is, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Stop right there. Wow, what a compliment. I know that your work, I know that you're laboring, and you've got patience, and wow. But then it goes on, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. Boy, there's some strong people. And hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. But number four is the crunch. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. What, what this revelation was about was Jesus was saying very simply, you're doing the right works and you're helping people and, and you've got patience. You're going through the motions. But somewhere down the line, love quit driving you. You started doing it out of habit instead of out of love. Now, when I was in college, I, 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 I tell people this still to this day. Driving four hours is about my limit. I do not like to drive. Um, four hours is about, and, and I get worn out at four hours. I don't like it. But I'm going to tell you, I had my truck packed up. I had my 
suitcase in my truck. I had everything ready. So as soon as I got out of class on Friday, I jumped in my truck. It was like Batman going to the Batmobile. I would run to the truck, jump in it, and fly down the road, oftentimes getting tickets that I'm not proud of. But I did. Drive hard for four hours to get home to possibly get to see Jackie that night. That's right. I did it weekend after weekend after weekend after weekend after weekend. I did it because love was driving me. I didn't like driving. I didn't like getting tickets. I didn't like all that went with it. But love said, get in the truck and hurry and get there. I'm asking today that you would look inward and say, dear God, if I'm just going through the motions, if I'm just a habitual Christian, I go to church on Sunday morning. I worship while they're telling me to worship. I just go through whatever they are telling me to do. You have probably somewhere lost the love factor. Love factor is what will make you get up at three o'clock in the morning and pray for a brother or a sister who is hurting. The love factor is what will make you give to help someone less fortunate than you. The love factor is what will make you drive yourself when you don't feel like it. The love factor is what will make you reach out to those less fortunate. The love factor will cause you to quit thinking about you and start thinking about others. And the love factor will drive you. Would you stand with me, please? The Bible says, let your light so shine so that others may see your good works. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. So I'm asking you today, and, and church, can I be very frank with you? Pastor Sims is preaching to Pastor Sims here today. I haven't made it to heaven yet, so I want to make sure that I stay sharp. I want to stay, uh, I want to stay in his perfect will. And I want to make sure what I re-gift, it's better than what I gave, what I was given, rather. To the choir, let me speak to the choir. Let me preach to the choir. You have an awesome responsibility to lead. You lead with your face, you lead with your actions, you lead with your voice. You might have had a horrible week, but when you're up here, your job is to make sure that you give better than what you had. Amen. Congregation, let me preach to you. 
while they're pouring their heart out to you and you sit there and you just stare at them? You need to give back better than what you're getting. Come on. Let, let me take it one step further to all of us. I hope we're a bunch of wild All kinds of things ran through my mind right then. But I hope that you're so ready to get out of church, not to get to the buffet, but to say, I'm going to do something today. And I'm gonna do something tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday for the rest of my life. I'm gonna give him better than what he gave me. I'm gonna give back more. Somebody is gonna get a smile. Someone's gonna get a hug. Someone is gonna get something from a real Christian. Come here, Brother Johnny. Brother Johnny's been having a, a bad day. Brother Johnny's been, the preacher called him Charles. He's already had a bad day. Charles is his brother, I pick on him, all that. Well, let's just say, really, things have been going bad. Going bad on the job. Johnny tries to help people. He's always putting out, but he's empty. He's not going around telling people I'm empty, but he might have, he might have spent a night crying before God. God, when is it gonna get better? God, why me? Why, I'm doing all of this and it still seems like I get kicked left and right. What if someone just came up and said, Johnny, I just wanna tell you I love you and I appreciate you. You know how much that cost me? That cost me about three seconds of my life. But then when I see Johnny, that in the next day or so, he seems to have a little more perk and pep in his step. Boy, I got back way more than three seconds. Yeah. Card ministry, a church invite, preparing a meal for somebody nice words, a compliment, preferring your neighbor, the seat that you've sat in for 10 years, the same place, same time, same channel, everything, you sat there and someone walked in and sat in your chair and you just said, I prefer my neighbor. Come on. It's raining. You give someone your umbrella and you dodge the rain. There's all kinds of things. My goodness, we could go on and on and on about it. But look here, time is running out. Time is running out. And I'm going to declare it one more time. Time is running out. 
What we do, we, we must do with a fervency. And I'm going to end with this. It might be your word of encouragement that keeps a family member from pulling the trigger. It might be that you brought a little card and just said, love you and praying for you. That a person takes and holds near to their chest because they won't have anybody come visit them at Christmas. They won't have anyone love on them. What are we gonna do? We're gonna re-gift. We're gonna be good re-gifters. We're gonna give better than what he gave us. And we're gonna do it in our own special way because God is gonna speak to you individually what you can do. And I'm, I am trying to end, but I am saying this. I don't want this to be from December 15th for one or two days. I want this to become a lifestyle of the people of Bethesda that we every day say, here I am. Now, now, now hear this. The first prayer that I have in the morning goes something like this. I'm yours. I'm available. Simply what that means between God and myself is whatever you want me to do, I'm available. I'm available. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hear the word that I say to you. I have blessings that I want to flow through you that will impact the lives of people who are hurting, people who are in such trouble. Allow me to work through you, saith the Lord, and I will change your life as well as the lives of others. I desire to use you. I desire to use you. Would you lift your hand right now and thank God for the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Lord, I know this has been a hard, hurting, hitting message. But dear God, I'm asking that you would start with Pastor Sims. Start right here with me where I stand.
And Lord, would you flow throughout our congregation for every man and woman, every young person, every person who is watching this by any means. Heavenly Father, help us to be people that let the gifts of God work in us in such a way that people's lives are forever changed. And as your scripture says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. If there's anyone who isn't a Christian today, this altar is open, and if, if, if you'll come, altar workers will come and, and, and pray with you. If you're lost, you need Jesus. And, and I, I want you to receive the greatest gift that you could possibly give. Step out now, come on. But for those who are Christians, maybe you've just not meant to get into habitual Christianity, maybe, oh God. Maybe you just got busy in life and busy being busy. And the love factor hasn't been your driving force. Right now, would you just say, Lord, I'm available. Lord, I'm available. Would you speak it out? Lord, I'm available. If you ask me to do it, you're going to give me the ability to do it. If you ask me to do it, you're going to give me grace to be able to get it done. Lord, I want to give you the best. I don't want to give you the spotted and the lame and the blind. I want to give you the best. Use me, Lord. Would you right now, wherever that you're standing, would you just simply say, please use me, Lord. Use me. Use me, Lord. Use me, dear Jesus. Hallelujah. Use me, Lord. <laughs> Let the Lord touch you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope that you were inspired to live a life of purpose for Jesus Christ. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. God bless.